When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilder here with us today. JT, how are you feeling about this two-game win streak? Well, you know, it's nice to win at home, so that makes things, you know, feel pretty good. But got to go on the road again here this weekend, and I'm very nervous about that. Yeah, for sure. Two of the last three on the road, and the next one in a place where K-State has not had a lot of success recently in Stillwater, playing Oklahoma State. So we brought in our guests, a writer at Pistols Fabrin Blog, Marshall Scott. Marshall, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, glad you could join us. So, been kind of a roller coaster ride for Oklahoma State this season. That had a rough start to Big 12 play, then they won five in a row. Now they've lost three in a row, all by double digits. You know, I mean, I know they lost preseason all Big 12 point guard Avery Anderson. I'm sure, that doesn't help. But at the same time, they still, you know, the last three of that five game win streak were without him. You know, what's been going on? What's been going wrong for Oklahoma State? I think, yeah, that's kind of the million dollar question right now. Turnovers have been an issue, but turnovers have kind of been an issue all year. You mentioned Avery Anderson's absence. I think it's been pretty evident the last two games in particular. They don't really have a guy right now who can just get to the basket if they need a guy to get to the basket that he was that guy for them. So without him now, and then Caleb Boone, who's kind of been their offense over that win streak, he's gotten an early foul trouble both these last two games. So it's turned ugly really quick without Avery Anderson being able to, to play make without Caleb Boone on the floor. So yeah, it's been gross. Uh, you mentioned a roller coaster. The roller coaster started, you know, with a loss to Southern Illinois for the second game of the season yeah. at home. Picked it up a little bit. Obviously, started Big Twelve play slow. Then all of a sudden, it looked like they might never lose again, and then have just kind of gotten thumped these last three games. So your guess is as good as mine with this team. I think maybe not watching this team as frequently, you'd have a better understanding of what's going on than those who follow it closely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems like sometimes, and I think we've seen this from K-State teams in the past too, where a guy will get hurt and maybe they'll do well a couple games without him. and But then once teams start to get the film and the scouting report of what the team looks like without that guy, then the struggles begin. Maybe that's what's happening here. Yeah, some of the issue I think too has been that TCU game on Saturday. They give up 100 points for like the first time in it was like 172 games, something like that. But then they didn't have very long. They played West Virginia on the Monday in Morgantown. So you're traveling to West Virginia. You don't really have a whole lot of time to, you know, find out what went wrong against TCU. And then all of a sudden you're back on another opposing Big 12 team's floor. So maybe with some extended time off, this might just be some hopium for Oklahoma State fans. Maybe with some time off, they've found out, found the the issue that they've been dealing with. But who really knows with this group? Right. And... Yeah, you mentioned the 100 points and even the other two games in this losing streak. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Oklahoma State's given up three of their four highest scores of the season these last three games. You know, so defensively, where do you feel like they've kind of been exposed a little bit? Yeah, and they've got two really good rim protectors in Caleb Boone and Musa Cisse. Cisse didn't play that first K-State game, but they've still just kind of been getting bullied in the paint. 
And some of that, to an extent, is the offense being so poorly. They're turning the ball over their live ball turnover. So teams are kind of getting run outs and you're not getting your matchups the way you want to. And then all of a sudden, you know, the ball's in the basket. So I think it starts with the turnovers. But defensively, this team had been really good. They've struggled offensively for large portions of the year. But defense has kind of won them games. And as of late, their defense has kind of been losing them games. So I don't know if it's just a matter of teams, you know, hitting a ridiculously high percentage of three-pointers like they have or, or if Oklahoma State's doing something to, to allow that to happen. But it's, yeah, it's been gross. Yeah, I mean, they're still 15th, I think, in adjusted defensive efficiency on Kim Palm. So certainly speaks to how well they were playing before. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed, they didn't turn K or West Virginia over too much. JT, you know, the turnovers have been an issue for Kansas State until Tuesday night, you know, only seven against Baylor. How did K-State turn things around so much on that front? Um, they went back to doing what a lot of us, you know, fans had mentioned while they were struggling, and, and the coaches mentioned it too. They had been trying to do too much, too often, you know, like put it in another, you know, using a, a different sports analogy like baseball, they, they're, they're trying to hit home run and, you know, swinging for the fences every pitch instead of just going for singles. Well, against Iowa State – and even more so against Baylor, they were, you know, just making the simple play. They were, you know, hitting singles. They were getting on base. They were taking walks. You know, they just they were making the easy plays that worked that, you know, it might not have been a big three-point play. It, it might have just resulted in a reset of the possession for a better shot later, but it worked. And it was clean. It was much more efficient. Now, if, if some guys could have made some shots, it would have looked even better than it did. But really, they just – getting back to the basics and making the simple play. And I think that's something you can take on the road is making, you know, simple, easy plays, not trying to, to force things when maybe the crowd gets amped up on the road or, you know, when the opponent starts to pull away a little bit, like you can still just keep making the simple plays and reel things back in. Yeah. And of course that always starts with Marquise Noel, K-State's point guard. And I mean, he was, other than the shooting, which admittedly is a big part of offense, he was pretty flawless on that end of the court. I mean, it's not often you see a guy have 10 assists and no turnovers. It's pretty remarkable. He had a pretty good game against Oklahoma State the first time, 20 points, 7 assists. Uh, Marshall, what do you think Oklahoma State's game plan is for limiting him and slowing him down? Yeah, so the first time around, it would have been putting Avery Anderson on him, which I think they did somewhat heavily. Avery was dealing with his injured wrist then. He didn't play a ton of the second half. Right, yeah, I think he played like 12 minutes that game. Yeah. He played and, on the second half. And we didn't really know that he had had the wrist injury then. And whenever it just seemed like he was dribbling a flat ball. He was playing really bad that game. And it turns out he's had this wrist injury that was nagging, and then he had surgery on it. But I imagine they're going to put Caleb Asbury on him. They might use some John Michael Wright on him as well. But it, yeah, like you mentioned, he kind of went off in that first meeting. It seemed like every time K-State needed a bucket, Marquise Noah would take a step or two across half court and fire it up and it'd go in. So I think that's going to be a big part of their game plan going into this weekend. Obviously, I don't know. They've got so much going wrong with themselves that you wonder how much time they can actually put into K-State and how to stop them. So I don't know if this is more of a game where Oklahoma State will look internally and look what they can do to better themselves or if they'll really try and crack down Marquise Noel. And Keontae Johnson had a pretty big game against them as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, the three-pointers, I mean, Marquise hit five. And that's been an issue for Oklahoma State. I think they're dead last in opponent three-point percentage in Big 12 play. So you expect those opportunities to be there for the Cats on Saturday? Yeah, I would say so. It And it seemed like from at least the early part of the schedule, here as of late, teams have just gotten whatever three-point looks they've wanted to against Oklahoma State. But for the early part of the schedule, they were running teams off the three-point line, forcing them inside to Musa Cisse and Caleb Boone. I and mean, that was kind of where they buttered their bread on the defensive end. So maybe they get back to that. Maybe they try and run those guys off the three and just force them into Caleb and, and Musa. But then you 
you know, risk getting Caleb in more foul trouble. I mean, he's been such a big part of their offense as of late. So more questions than answers, I feel like I have. <laughs> yeah. And JT, I mean, the three-point shooting has been kind of hit and miss for Kansas State. You know, Keontae has been pretty good. Ish has been pretty consistent. Actually, Marquise is kind of on and off. you got a few X-Factor guys like Desi Sills and, and Naquan Tomlin. But, you know, how do you feel overall about the three-point shooting for Kansas State right now? It feels like we're still in the streaky zone, especially when, when Marquise is off like he was against Baylor. I mean, he went, I think, like over six from behind the arc, which is just insane. Sometimes he can be a volume shooter and, you know, go two for whatever, but. Yeah, and it's not like yeah, all of those were like the heat check shots that he likes to take sometimes. Some of them were good looks. So. Yeah, that, it was weird. And, and I'm not sure if, if he was maybe a little tired, but he definitely looked off from deep. Thankfully, he wasn't off from the free throw line. But but yeah, Ish is, is kind of our, he's kind of our three and D guy right now almost. and Without the D, but. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to tell, like. They're just so streaky. Like they could come out and light it up and go, you know, five for seven and we go, oh my God, we're just going to torch them and then come out the next game and go two for 12. And you know, what, you know, what, what happened to this team? So I had no, I wouldn't even begin to predict what, you know, what they could do this weekend or, you know, even two minutes from now in terms of outside <laughs> shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then, you know, as far as stopping, Keontae, you know, is, is Bryce Thompson the guy they want to match up with him? Or I think he'll probably draw that matchup. I don't think it's necessarily ideal for Oklahoma State. I guess maybe they could throw John Michael Wright onto uh, Marquise since they're both kind of smaller dudes and then put Asbury on Keontae. Bryce isn't the greatest defender. He's gotten a lot better since he's been here from Kansas, but not the greatest defender, especially with a guy as athletic as Keontae. That might be a bit of a struggle for him. So I, I guess talking myself through it, I'd probably see John Michael Wright on Marquise Noel, and, and then they'd put Caleb Asbury, who's a little more athletic, a little more quick sideline to sideline, that they put him on Keontae Johnson. Okay. okay. And then, you know, something that's still a little weird to talk about as a K-State fan after all the Bruce Weber years, but Kansas State currently 56 in the adjusted tempo rankings. And, you know, when this offense is rolling, they're scoring points in transition. You know, does Oklahoma State want to slow this game down? It was pretty low scoring in Manhattan. Yeah, that's kind of been a, a switch in philosophy too as of late. Now they've they went from playing a little too slow at the beginning of Big Twelve play. Some of that had to do with Musa Cisse being injured. Some of that had to do with their first game being on the road in Fog Allen. So they wanted to slow things down against Kansas, who likes to run this year. And then they kind of just fell into a pattern of playing too slow. And their half court sets aren't necessarily anything to write home about. They've got a bunch of athletic dudes on the team, so you'd think playing faster would be kind of the answer for them. But then they've done that as of late, and it, it kind of seemed to spur a little bit of that win streak that they went on, you know, scoring in the 70s pretty regularly in the 80s a couple of times. But then all of a sudden they started playing too fast. It, it went too far one way and, and that's how they, they lost to Kansas, playing Kansas's own game against them. And they get blown out in Fort Worth and then it didn't go well in, in West Virginia either. So I think there's a, a fine balance that they kind of need to find of how fast is too fast. But I think ideally they do like to speed it up a little bit. And JT, what do you think? Does K-State ever have the issue where they go too fast? It seems like, especially at home, that they get the energy and they can really run and, and it's a lot of fun to watch. But maybe other times yeah, they, they go too fast. They definitely get going too fast. They like to speed it up, you're right. But we saw that on the road several times against uh, like TCU, where they just then they started turning the ball over like crazy. Even at home against Texas, they tried to force it too fast. You know, they sped things up against Baylor, but again, they did it in a way that it was controlled. Like, you know, you'd get a run out, but the guy realized if he didn't have numbers to pull it up and, you know, 
reset and get set for the, the set instead of just trying to force something at the basket. And that was, it was a big change I noticed in the last, especially against Baylor, but also against Iowa State the game before is playing tempo again, like they did at the beginning of the year, but without trying to rush and force things and play hero ball off a turnover. So they want to go fast, but they've definitely shown that they can get too fast. And that's a problem. You know, they need to be going like, you know, 80 on the interstate, not trying to do 95. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And one thing the Baylor tried for a little bit, you haven't seen the, from the Bears as much recently, but they tried to go zone. You think that's something that Oklahoma State would want to try? They've done it. They did it more last year than they have this year. They'll do it sparingly. It's usually out of a timeout whenever Coach Boynton has thought, oh, if he thinks, oh, Tang is drawing up a play against a man defense in this timeout, then Boynton's going to throw a zone to kind of move that play to make it irrelevant. But outside of situations like that they haven't done a whole lot of zone if they do it'll be a, you know your standard two three they'll put those bigs in the middle and, and stretch their arms out as much as possible but i wouldn't expect to see too much of that um yeah. especially with a team that as you guys mentioned can shoot as well as k-state can yeah yeah so then the other end of the court is where oklahoma state really has kind of struggled through the offense we'll talk about that in a second first we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're back so let's start with you know where, where oklahoma state should probably feel good about the advantage they have and that's with Caleb Boone, you know, he had a big game at career high at the time with 23 points last time against Kansas State. How much do you think they want to try to isolate him and let him go one-on-one? Yeah, that'll be that's what they've they've been doing throughout this win streak. That'll be the the main course of action. He picked up two fouls in like three minutes the other night against West Virginia. A similar story down in Fort Worth. So I imagine that whenever K-State's on offense, they're probably going to take it right to him, see if they can get him in foul trouble a little bit early because the offense just kind of seems like a wreck without him. But yeah, they'll, they'll feed him the ball. It's going to come on that first bounce that he takes in the post, whether K-State flies another guy at him to double-team him, or like Kansas tried the other week, they just said, hey, we'll let Caleb Boone yeah. beat us if anybody, and he scored 27 points, but Kansas still won, so I guess that worked out. But yeah, the whole offense right now has to go through Caleb Boone. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, and, and that's been an issue for him these last few games. Yeah, but I think it was your story about that. Bill Self acknowledged, well, that was probably a mistake to not double him like we did. Yeah, so. I, uh, I'd asked him about it because they doubled him in, in Lawrence. So I asked Bill post game. I was like, so you guys didn't double him. He'd been getting doubled pretty much since then. And he was like, yeah. He was like, well, he kind of killed us with kicking it out and they were getting a bunch of threes in Lawrence. So they just wanted to force it on him. But yeah, Bill said post game. He's like, that probably wasn't my best idea. So. Yeah, so JT, you think K-State's going to send some extra guys over to, to help out? What do you expect to see? Probably not. You know, Tank's a smart guy, and if he's – we've been able to to shut guys down even with just, you know, like one defender. You pick a guy and, like, okay, we're going to stick our best defender on him and we're just going to shut him down. And it, it seems like they've been able to, like, pick the right guy more often than not. Like, against Baylor, they, they shut down Flagler, and he had a, one of the worst games of the season. But – Keontae George still got his, and Keontae George is going to do that because we're like, well, you, you might as well let the you know future NBA lottery pick just do his thing because he's going to get his points no matter what and shut somebody else down, and they were able to do that. So but I don't know who they'll pick out you know, with Oklahoma State, but I don't imagine we'll see too much super help over. We do some interesting things with switching defenses and stuff, but I don't expect to see too much heavy help. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, offensively, I'm sure is where Oklahoma State is missing Avery Anderson a lot. So who's been, you know, getting more shots and getting the ball more with him out? Yeah, it's been Bryce Thompson's been getting a heavier dose of, of things. He's had, as of late, I guess, 
aside from this, these past two games, which have just gone horribly wrong. He's had really good first halves and then maybe not kept the aggression up the second half. I think he had 21 in the first half against, I can't remember if that was against Tech or if against Kansas. I and mean, then he did something similar. I think it was against Tech. And then he did have like 18 against Kansas in the first half and then kind of went quiet. So he's a guy who's going to get his shots up. And then John Michael Wright, a transfer from High Point. He was kind of more facilitator whenever they had Avery healthy. He's still in the starting lineup, but played a different role. And then since Avery's injury, they've really brought him on and asked him to, he, I think he averaged 18 last year at High Point. They've kind of asked to get that High Point John Michael Wright out of him. And he's played pretty well as of late. He had a real stinker against West Virginia. I thought he played well, aside from the fact that he was 0 for 8 from 3. I don't expect him to go 0 for 8 from 3 every night. He came in as like a 40% yeah. 3-point shooter. So I think that was just a, a bad night in the gym. So yeah, I'd expect him to get more shots. But yeah, it's going to start with Caleb Boone, and then he'll kind of distribute from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like Bryce has been a little bit less efficient. So, you know, is he forcing some shots offensively? I think especially maybe whenever he gets to the second half and he knows that it hasn't quite gone as well for him, maybe he, he is doing that. And, and then some of it's just kind of the offense just breaks down. He's got the ball at the top of the key. The shot clock's winding down. He just kind of has to go to his spot and heave up a, a jumper. So I don't know that I'd necessarily put it all on him. I think it's kind of just a more of a breakdown of the offense that, um, without Caleb on the floor and, and then without Avery Anderson to kind of, you know, get to the rim if they need to. Bryce is being asked to do maybe a little bit too much. Yeah. And then I've noticed, you know, Caleb Asbury, the point guard they've got in there, he, he seems like he's been getting to the line a lot. So is he a guy that can drive to the rim? A little bit. He's he's taken, there's been a lot of technicals here lately for some reason in Oklahoma <laughs> State games. And he's he's been that guy that, that goes up and takes those. But I think he's athletic enough to where I think he could get to the rim more than he really tries to. I think he settles for some step-back threes, some highlight reel hopeful plays a little bit too much. I think he's really struggled in these last two games that, that OSU struggled in. So if they could get him going, I think that'll be a, a real big help. So JT, that brings up the question, which case they play is most likely to get technical? Um, at this point, probably David Gasson. Yeah. Uh, he was darn close a couple times against Baylor. They were getting kind of chippy down there. And I, I know in the, you know, in our, our Discord thread, they were talking about, I'm not even going to say his full proper name, but JTT, they're yeah. kind of, you know, being a little extra aggressive in the paint. They let him go. And <laughs> you could see that bubble almost over the top a few times where David Gasol was getting a little, little feisty. They were shoving a little extra. And I was like, yeah, you know, he probably could have gotten the technical there or there, but he's definitely a guy that plays a lot of passion. And so I, that would be like, if somebody's getting a technical, I think it's probably Gasson. In fact, I think he was the last one that got a technical. It uh, was part of the double technical against Iowa State, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... I, I can't guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then off the bench, you know, Oklahoma State's had a couple guys, uh, Musa Cisse and, and Tyreek Smith have been kind of every once in a while contributing some points. You know, how much of a boost do you expect from them or what can they do offensively? Yeah, to, they're both limited offensively, but they're both big bodies. So, like, it, if they get an offensive rebound, it's probably going right back up. Musa, I think, from time to time, tries to do a little bit too much. I, I think there's times that he thinks he is Caleb Boone and and tries to get a nice post spin in. It works every so often, but more often than not, he's, you know, he's still developing. He's been, you know, a raw guy for a long time. Crazy athletic, crazy big, crazy long wingspan, but the offense is still kind of coming along. I mean, then Tyreek has, since, as of late, they've, they they used to start uh, Musa and Caleb together. They then brought Woody Newton in and have kind of spread things out a little bit more for Caleb on the offensive end. And that kind of diminished Tyreek's minutes quite a bit. So he hadn't played a whole lot until, I I thought he had a pretty good game 
uh, against West Virginia. I think he scored close to 10 points if, if he didn't eclipse that. But he, he's another guy who's he's strong as can be. So if he bullies somebody for an offensive rebound, he's going to find a way to get back up. And uh, he's pretty good at the foul line as well. So, you know, if you foul him, he's probably going to he's going to at least make one. He might make both. And then he's got some decent touch around the rim, but it's not quite Caleb Boone good. Yeah. And so, JT, I mean, K-State's looking at five straight road losses, right, since they won at Baylor. So, got to find yeah. a way to kind of bring the energy and, and you know, not commit so many turnovers. But, you know, what else do you think they need to figure out to win on the road? Um, I don't know. It, it's tough. I mean, get used to playing at home in front of, of Bramlage and the Bramlage crowd, which has been great mm-hmm. this year. Absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. And you can see that, like, they weren't scared to go into Lawrence. Now, they lost that game because, you know, Allen Fieldhouse things happen in Allen Fieldhouse. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's hard to predict. And <laughs> But then, you know, you turn around and you go on the road and you end up at, like, Oklahoma. And the Lloyd Noble Center is dead as could be. And that's yeah. it's, it's hard to be, you know, a, a top road team and go into an environment like that and have any sort of energy. I have no idea what crowds are like at Gallagher Iba this year. I, I know it's a weird place to play in general. It's uh, yeah. I've been to a couple of games there. It's one of the few like Big Twelve places I've actually been to to watch some games. Okay. How far up did you go up the, the straight up stairs? Oh God, uh, we were our seats were up in the nosebleeds both times. Yeah. It, it's like the weird vertigo up there. Uh, I can't <laughs> handle. <it. laughs> but yeah. I know it can be. A, you know, it's it's a tough place to play, just like anywhere else in the Big Twelve. But They've just got to play their game and, you know, bring their own energy because it's, it's the road. They can't rely on the crowd to do that for them. Like they can at home. They, you know, just got to keep grinding and, and hopefully the the little extra day off here from Tuesday to Saturday could help them be rested at least. And it's not such a a long road, you know, trip down to Stillwater. So that helps, but yeah, some really good K-State teams go into Stillwater (laughs) and play absolute garbage so it's, right. it's hard to say yeah um, what, what would you expect the crowd to be like Marshall are you seeing this season yeah they had been getting a lot better that that win streak kind of helped peaked against Kansas with like 11 the arena holds 13,611 peaked with Kansas with a little over 11,000 I mean there the other night but then with how crappy that they played over the last you know three games uh, you kind of wonder if that's going to go back down I wouldn't expect anything less than like eight. But as far as environments go, it's been pretty good towards the end of the year. And maybe with OSU needing a, a way into the tournament, right. um, this game could definitely provide that. So maybe the fans kind of get out and, and try and you know give that boost that they can. That'd probably be the ideal scenario for my Boynton and company. But they've been good, but I'm a little curious to see what will happen after these last few games. Yeah, so that's a good segue. I want to talk about Oklahoma State's tournament chances. It feels like right now, I think most people have them on the right side of the bubble. But Three games left, K-State at home, Baylor at home, and then at a Texas Tech team that is suddenly looking like one of the better teams in this league. Obviously, no easy wins there. What do you feel like they have to do? You know, what's the level of desperation right now? I think it's getting pretty desperate. I think that they at least, they need one of these next three. And then maybe a win against, yeah, it looks like they'll probably play in that first round, most likely against OU at this point. Um, So if they could get one win in these, these last three regular season games, get to Kansas City, beat OU, and then I think that might be enough to get them in. If they get two of these last three, I think that they're definitely in no matter how Kansas City goes. But I, I think, you know, you, you go 0-3 here and you really need a little bit of magic in Kansas City. It's going to be close. I think if even if they stop winning now, I think they're in bubble contentions, in bubble conversations, but I don't necessarily know that they get in just with how good the Big 12 is. So I, I think that it's going to be close. If they can win one of these next three, I think – that sets them up decently. I think they'll still be 
firmly on the bubble, it'll be kind of a coin toss one way or the other. If they can find a way to get to and get to 900 um, in Big 12 play, I, I think they'll definitely be in. But as you said, it, it's not easy. Tech doesn't really like, Tech doesn't like a whole lot of people, but Tech fans especially, <laughs> I feel like, don't like Oklahoma State. So I think that'll be a pretty bumping building, especially with how they're playing. So that's going to be a tough trip. And then obviously, you know, Kansas State is a team that has at times this year looked like a top five like level team and same with Baylor. So I think it's it's going to be a little dicey. I think they're lucky that they have these next two at home, but I don't know that you want to be going into Lubbock needing a win the last game of the regular season. Yeah, and that's potentially a game where Texas Tech is going to need a win too. They've yeah. somehow worked their way back into that bubble conversation, which is kind of wild. Yeah, it seems but, like, I mean, I think the Big 12's got a real shot at nine teams right now. Everybody but uh, Oklahoma. So. Yeah, I think I think it's it's trending that way. I, I think some maybe some funky stuff in Kansas City might need to happen just to kind of get because it might come down to like a, a dogfight of two of the three get in of West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. So I think that's why OSU's lost to West Virginia on Monday was so you know crucial, and I think that's why that that game in Lubbock can be just as big as they kind of wrap this stuff up. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Texas Tech go into Kansas and win next Tuesday. I think that would help them a lot. And, you know, we always like to see Kansas lose. So yeah. that yeah. nice, <laughs> I don't know if they're up to that. We will see. And, you know, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I think Oklahoma and any other league would make it in. You, you could make it maybe make a case for them, but they've probably fallen too far at this point. Yeah, it's crazy that they could go from beating Alabama as yeah. convincingly as they did to just yeah, basically laying is, an egg from here on out. But it's that is one of the most confusing results of the season for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay you know, with Oklahoma losing out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all okay with Oklahoma losing out. It's fine. Yeah, K State needs to win that one at Manhattan for sure. Uh, yeah, JT. I mean, where do you think that K State, especially the win over Iowa State, was big because I think that puts K State on the inside track to playing in Des Moines. Hopefully you get one of the top four seeds there and get to stay close to home. But, you know, where do you feel like the Cats are right now, bracket-wise? Yeah, I think we're we're still sitting at that three to four seed line. The win over Baylor was definitely big to, to pushing us back up towards the three line, I think. Yeah. I think even with a win out, like if we can somehow win out and then make some noise in Kansas City, I think – you know, making the semifinals or even the finals against KU. I think, you know, we could even see a push all the way up to the two line. But I mean, you're talking about winning, you know, six games to try to get all the way up to the two line, I think. And um, now if, if we can win out to the tournament, which would involve winning then the Big 12 tournament, I I mean, that you're locked for a two seed. You could even make an argument about pushing onto the one line at that point. When, when yeah. is the last time Kansas State won the Big 12 tournament? In a long uh, time, I don't think we've ever actually won the Big Twelve tournament. It's probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> in the day. I'd have to look. That it's been a while. Yeah, because uh, usually what happens is you end up against against KU in the championship game. We've done right. that several times. We've been right. in the championship game and lost to friggin' KU again, and it's annoying and terrible, and I hate it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I will say I was pleasantly surprised actually when the committee released you know their top 16 this last Saturday even before case they beat Iowa State they put them on a three seed line so that yeah. was encouraging I think yeah I, th- I think if we went out the regular season that's a solid three borderline two even I like to say this even dropping the next two road games like going one and two over this next three game stretch I still feel pretty confident about that three line but Losing two on the road, I, it might be tough for, for some of the committee to push K-State above the four line. So, But I, I think at this point we're pretty solidly 
at least on the four line with that inside track to Des Moines. Although, you know, for K-State fans, I wouldn't hate it if we were in Denver. I think yeah. that's one of the other sites for the – is it? Is it, it is, yeah. I know, actually, my brother's going to be in Denver planning to go to games that weekend, so he's actually pulling for that. There's uh, a pretty solid, uh, you know, K-State alumni base in the Denver area, and that's pretty yeah. easy to get to from Dallas and even Kansas City. So, you know, Des Moines or, or Denver, either one I think would be great. I'd, I'd rather not be in the same place as a whole bunch of KU fans, but at the same time <laughs> – I was also there in Oklahoma City in, what year was that? Goodness, 2010, when I got to watch them lose to Northern Iowa, right next to the Northern Iowa band, which was great. It was it was wonderful, Wall of Purple, and magical time, and went on to beat BYU, and all was right with the world. But yeah, so I think we can make it to the point. That would be pretty easy. Yeah. Well, it's almost like a lock at this point. Almost. I'll tell you, what would be worst case scenario is, you know, since you're looking at probably five Big 12 teams being among the top four seeds, would be if K-State ended up, as I guess, they could potentially be a four seed playing KU as the one seed in the Sweet 16, which normally obviously wouldn't be possible, but they've got to kind of change their bracketing rules because so many Big 12 teams are in that top group. So, Yeah, that would that would definitely really suck. I would not be happy about that. <laughs> no, I don't know. So, Marshall, the other thing I wanted to ask you with Oklahoma State is, you know, the way the season's gone and how are fans feeling about Mike Boynton and the job he's doing, and how much is that dependent on whether he makes the tournament this year? I think the the seat is definitely warm for a decent uh, group of the fan base. It's so weird because he's had to deal with a lot. The FBI sanctions came down like days after he was named head coach. He didn't really have anything to do with that. He was on staff with a guy who was, you know, the guy that got in trouble. And so that he's still kind of, they finally gotten past that with the band last year, but even this year, they're down two scholarships. They have one more scholarship that they've got to figure out for the next two years. I believe they've got two years to figure out that one. So there's that caveat. He has the Cade year, obviously getting, you know, the number one NBA draft pick in town and then they win a tournament game and everything feels great then. But yeah, the winning has not necessarily been there as consistently as I think a lot of the fan base would like at this point. Regardless of what happens this year, I don't, I don't think he'll be fired this year. Um, if they lose out, they don't make the tournament. I don't, I don't think he's going to get fired. A, because I think it's maybe a year too early with all those sanctions and all that. And then B, he's got a really good recruiting class coming in. He's got a McDonald's All-American coming in. I don't know that they want to, you know, the, the higher-ups would want to jeopardize Brandon Garrison perhaps going somewhere else. So I don't think that regardless of what happens, I don't think this year he will be fired. It will help a whole lot if he can make the tournament. And, and as we've discussed how deep the Big 12 is, if you can just make the tournament, you know, a Big 12 team against anybody has got a shot to win a couple of games. So yeah. I think that would obviously be great for him, great for the fan base. But if that doesn't happen, I think next year is going to be a really big kind of do or die year for him, maybe. Yeah. Speaking of where both Tech and Oklahoma State are, you know, if they don't win, if they don't make it into the NCAA tournament, these both feel like teams that could be like NIT champions, which yeah. I think would definitely be something that would help cool off Boynton's seat. Like, no, it's not the big tournament, but, you know, Scott Drew parlayed an NIT championship into what, like yeah. a five? Or run the next year early. Late, I mean, Wichita State seven. team too, right? Yeah, so it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. And, it, and like I said, if, if you've got a big recruit coming in, like Boynton's done so much with having a, a short deck and coming in kind of late, and after you know all of that happened, and, and you know it's I think he's done from the outside looking in. I feel like he's done a really good job with what he's been given there. 
Yeah, and I think that if OSU is to ever move on from him, I think that he will be one of those guys who kind of falls up in a weird way. He's an elite-level recruiter, obviously, with Cade Cunningham. He was able to get Bryce Thompson the second time. Musa Cisse was a high-level guy, uh, highly sought-after recruit. And then this you know, cycle, he's got Brandon Garrison coming in. He's doing really well with David Castillo, who I think is also considering K-State, um, considering Kansas as well. He's a five-star from Tulsa, the Tulsa area, so... He's an elite level recruiter that I think that if OSU does move on from him, I think there are going to be plenty of programs happy to scoop him up and who knows what those fortunes look like elsewhere. But yeah, the side of the fan base that likes Mike Boynton loves Mike Boynton. He's a great guy on and off the floor, real stand up dude, real personable. It's just the winning hasn't been there for, for some of the fan base quite yet. Yeah. Well, we're on the subject of Big 12 coaches, there's been some discussion this week about Big 12 coach of the year. I think K-State fans have been a little frustrated that Bill Self is getting a lot of buzz. Uh, obviously, we think Tang has a pretty strong case. You know, what's your thoughts as an outsider? Who should win that? Um, It's so tough just because the Big 12 is so deep that, you know, with how crazy it's been, it kind of, I could see a world where whoever wins the league, you just say, hey, give it to that guy. With that being said, I think Jerome Tang has done an outstanding job. Obviously, just with how, I don't know if on fire is the right word, but you know, crazy teams can seem after a coaching transition for him to have hit the ground running as quickly as he has. The fan base loves him. I was there in Bramlage whenever Oklahoma State lost. And he was, I don't know what the dance is called, but he's, you know, <laughs> standing on tables doing that. I think in a weird way, I don't know if just because he hasn't coached the entire year, but Rodney Terry's done sure. outstanding considering yeah, the, crazy, yeah. the craziness that he had to step into. So that'd be another one. I, I think it's probably a three horse race for those two. I personally would pull for either Tang or Terry just because. I kind of like the come up story a little bit more than the, oh, we were supposed to win and we did. But, but there is some, you know, credence to that. You know, Bill Self's teams are good and, and he's done a, you know, good job there, as painful as it is for everybody else in the league to say. But yeah, I'd personally pull for either Tang or Terry. I'd probably lean towards Tang just because of, you know, he's coached the entire year, which is a weird knock against Rodney Terry. But then, you know, yeah. for, for him to hit the ground running as quickly as he has and as seamless as he's made this transition, I think that's something that should be commended. So you've got my vote. Yeah. Good. good. Well, I appreciate that in making the case for self. You know, just said, hey, they win the league. You win the league. That's good. Because I really don't like the narrative that, oh, they lost all this much scoring from their championship team. But yeah, they're still KU. I mean, they're still bringing yeah. in these massive recruits. Like, there's nobody expected them to like have a rebuilding year. Like, yeah. Grady Dick on any team would make that team a lot better this year. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, before we let you go, this is the part where we ask you to. Make a prediction for Saturday's game. What do you see happening? If you would have asked me this a week ago, even if right after OSU's lost to Kansas, I would have said Oklahoma State. And, and then, you know, Kansas State struggled back then too. They, they hadn't won those two games yet. But right now I just have no freaking clue. <laughs> I will say just for the, the – just because Oklahoma State needs it as bad as they do, I'll say Oklahoma State 72, Kansas State 71. I think it, it could come down to a last-second shot. And I honestly also wouldn't be surprised if K-State just came into Gallagher and absolutely blew Oklahoma State out without them playing. So, but I think, you know, the urgency will be there. They've had time since Monday to kind of regroup. So I'll take Oklahoma State in a tight one. Well, I will say, if you look at Oklahoma State's results, the games they've lost at home have not been very close, and they've won all the close ones. So if it gets close, maybe it could be edge of the Cowboys. But what do you think, JT? Is this where the road losing streak finally ends? Um, I have zero confidence in uh, yeah, any Big 12 team going on the road that's not named Kansas. So yeah. I do think it's going to be a close one. I, I have this weird feeling it's going to look a lot like Oklahoma State's last two wins at home over TCU and Tech where they're, I mean, I think 
it was like two possessions against TCU, one against Tech. Like it's going to be real close and kind of ugly. And, you know, I don't want to pick against the Cats, but it's hard not to pick <laughs> the home team right now in the Big 12. It's just, it's yeah. just, that's, this is the way it is, unfortunately. For sure. For us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, should be fun. Marshall, we appreciate you coming on. I know people can uh, check out your Twitter, Marshall Scott OK, and then the Pistols guys for the Pistols Firing Twitter or pistolsfiringblog.com. Always a lot of good content there. Uh, anything else you want to promote? Uh, no, just thank you guys for having me. This was a, a fun time. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. JT, thanks for coming on. Yep. So, yeah. Signing off. Last